0: This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.
1: Good afternoon, everyone. Lots to talk about today as usual. Of course, we're, the topic of our conversation every time I'm on <clears throat> is our Constitution and the increasing attacks on our Constitution. Uh, right now we're looking at a foreign policy situation which is totally out of control and becoming more and more dangerous to the American people. We have a president of the United States who is either unable or unwilling to act to protect the American people. And we have a wide open southern border where uh, anybody is allowed to come through, basically, including terrorists and criminals, and drug cartel members, gang members, uh, you name it, they can come across our border. But uh, and as far as the fight against ISIS, interesting that today the uh, new Secretary of Defense testified before Congress that basically he criticized the President of the United States and his whole plan as far as defeating ISIS. And the Congress is investigating what the heck was going on when it was announced basically by the President that uh, there was going to be an attack uh, in May, April or May, by the Iraqis on Mosul in northern Iraq, which was taken by ISIS several months ago. You don't go out and announce plans. Particularly, you don't do it with our allies that are going to be, uh, the ground forces involved. The Iraqis have now backed off. They have attacked the, the Crete in the last couple of days and did not even tell the United States or the president they were going to do it. Even though we're, we're providing them with some air support, they did not let their plans be known until they actually launched the attack. They don't trust the president of the United States. Netanyahu, the prime minister of Israel, obviously doesn't trust the president of the United States either. And he he came forward. He made a speech to the Congress yesterday, on as a result of an invitation by Speaker Boehner. And he talked about the dangers of the so-called agreement that is about to be reached. We think between the Obama administration and Iran. Obama is infuriated by this. More and more, Obama is not acting as President of the United States. He is acting as if he were Emperor of the World. You do not dictate to a leader of an allied country, or any country for that matter, particularly an allied country. You don't dictate to them what they can say, and when they can say it, and who they can say it to. If That is what Obama was furious about. That's why... You had some of the Democrats who were in lockstep with Obama refused to even be there for the speech and to criticize the speech. Obama refused to watch the speech. He arranged to be doing something else at the time, so he didn't even watch it on television. But the crux of the speech was that the Iranians are our enemies. They're the enemies of Israel. They're the enemies of the United States. They're the enemies of the entire non-Muslim world and the enemies of some of the Muslim countries in the Middle East. They are sponsors of terrorism. They call for the destruction of the great Satan, which is the United States, and the little Satan, which is Israel. They call for all the Jews on the face of the earth to be totally wiped out. They are supposedly opposing ISIS, but we can't trust them not to work with Al-Qaeda, for example, we know for a fact that Al Qaeda has been operating from inside Iran. That they have training camps in there for the terrorists, and they have uh, free access. The leadership of the Al Qaeda has free access to hide in Iran because you know we're not sending planes into Bablum in Iran or sending drones in because the president of the United States seems to be in love with the Ayatollah. He seems to, to uh, be favoring Iran. But the key to Iran is the fact that they are going to develop a nuclear weapon. A year ago, the sanctions that were imposed by the United States and other European countries on Iran were destroying our economy. There is growing pressure of the people in Iran to return to a secular form of government, to get out from under the thumb of the Ayatollah and his minions, and to restructure the economy. We had them on the ropes. Then the president, unilaterally, on his own, without permission of Congress, started canceling some of the sanctions, giving them back money that they needed, and allowing them to continue with their program to enrich uranium. Now, enriching uranium is the first step towards developing a nuclear weapon. They're being allowed to do this. Some intelligence reports I've seen indicate that they may be able to do this within a couple of months, but probably no less than a year. Now we have this agreement, which, by the way, was there have been deadlines for them to reach an agreement uh, with the United States and other countries that have been kicked down the side of the road, you know, kicking the can down the road, giving them more time to enrich the uranium, uh, making partial agreements that essentially give them more money to to use for their program and allow them to start developing something, including ICBMs, Intercontinental Ballistic Missiles, that can be used to launch attacks with nuclear weapons, not only on Israel and other Middle Eastern countries, but on countries in Europe and even on the United States. We don't know how far along they are on these ICBMs. We don't know how far along they are on the uranium enrichment and developing the bomb. The agreement supposedly was for UN inspectors to be able to come in and see the sites where it's being done. They know they haven't been allowed to see all the sites. They know a lot of it's being done in secret. Yet the President of the United States has decided, apparently, and I you know, I got some emails yesterday after I posted a new article on my on blog on nullification, I'll talk about that in a few minutes, but I got some emails from people saying, when are you going to post something on the Iranian deal? Well, I'm going to definitely do something, but I want to wait until I see the final outcome, exactly what the president is going to agree to. It looks like he's going to you know, basically give Iran a blank check to do what they want, but I want to know the details of that, so I will be doing an article. And By the way, you can access my blog at, www.michaelconnelly.c.o.n.n.e.l.l.y.jigsy.com, and you can see all the articles I've written on there, and you can find out more about me, and you can also look at the books that I've written you know, for sale through there, and also they're on sale, through sale, for sale through Amazon and other places. <clears throat> but the point is, is that I'm looking at the Iranian thing and looking at what the President is going to do, and more importantly, how he's going to do it. Because see, this would be a treaty. Any agreement made with a foreign country by this country is a treaty that should be ratified by the United States Senate. All treaties, the Constitution requires that all treaties have to be ratified by two-thirds majority of the Senate before they can go into effect. That's what the Constitution says, it's clear. Now the president can claim this is an agreement, but then ag- just a minor agreement with a country is totally different from a major agreement and a treaty which affects the security of the United States and of our citizens. Obama has no intention of submitting this to the United States Senate, just like he has no intention of submitting the Small Arms Treaty, which John Kerry signed on his behalf, the UN Small Arms Treaty. He didn't want to submit that to the Senate, because he knows it will never pass. So he's saying, and his advisors are saying that, well, this is all because the Constitution doesn't really mean what it says. Uh, The President can enforce treaties in the United States and around the rest of the world without having them ratified by the United States Senate. And the only thing the United States Senate can do then is by two-thirds majority come in and tell the President to stop that turns the Constitution totally on its gear. There is no provision in the Constitution for that, yet this is what the President is using. So what's the Iranian deal look like? Well, they're talking about basically uh, getting a promise from the Iranians that uh, they will not develop nuclear weapons. The Iranians have denied from the get-go that they are developing nuclear weapons. All of our intelligence shows that they are, But that is their ultimate goal here. They're not doing this uranium enrichment for peaceful purposes. Yet the president is going to take them at their word, apparently, say, okay, the Iranians have promised not to develop nuclear weapons, so we're going to lift all the sanctions. We're going to let them have all the money back that has been seized in foreign bank accounts. We're going to save their economy even more. And we're going to basically have an agreement with them that in 10 years they can do whatever they want, but in the interim we'll have their promise, and that's all we have. Apparently there are going to be very little, if any, provisions for inspections or to find out what the Iranians are really doing. And that's what Netanyahu was objecting to yesterday. That puts his nation at risk. That puts the United States at risk. That puts the entire Middle East and Europe at risk. We have a rogue nation that is going to have nuclear weapons. Now, if this all sounds familiar, it's because a few years back, the Bush and Clinton administrations uh, cut a deal with North Korea where basically they accepted North Korea's word that they wouldn't have nuclear weapons. Well, North Korea now has at least five nuclear bombs that we know of. They also have missiles that can launch those bombs against the west coast of the United States. So we were lied to. We knew we were being lied to. They went ahead in order to get a deal. They went ahead and accepted the word of the North Koreans, and it turned out to be useless. Now Obama wants to do the same thing with Iran. Even if it's 10 years from now when they develop a bomb, the Iranian government, if it maintains its current course, and stays in the hands of the, the militant Muslims, the Islamic jihadists, if you will, will be willing to use that bomb. If not personally, they will be willing to... And they're not going to have just one bomb. They're going to have multiple bombs. If not use it personally on Israel and on the United States, are going to be willing to sell it to terrorists or even give it to terrorists, like al-Qaeda, so that they can bring a bomb in and use it in the United States. Our fleets in the Mediterranean are going to be threatened. Our military bases around the world are going to be threatened. The United States itself is going to be threatened with nuclear destruction simply because the President of the United States wants to have a deal. He doesn't care what kind of deal. He doesn't care what it costs the American people. He just wants to have a deal. And he's pushing for it. And now let's wait and see what what kind of deal we get. And as soon as we do, I will write an article and post it on my blog at michaelconnelly.jigsy.com. And you can take a look at what I've got to say, because this is a very, very dangerous situation. And after the break, we'll talk about some other dangerous situations our president is getting us in.
2: Learn more about USJF by visiting their website at www.usjf.net. Support this nonprofit as it defends our rights, our liberty, and our Constitution.
0: With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on America's Webradio.com.
2: Who is or what is USJF? It is a nonprofit legal organization founded to protect our rights through the U.S. Constitution. Active in educating the public, USJF has also contributed directly and indirectly to legal defense efforts in many celebrated cases involving fundamental conservative principles. Cases of note include the Mount Soledad cross case, the Arizona immigration law case, the Obama eligibility cases, the NDAA illegal detention issue, and many more. Help this nonprofit as they help you. Visit www.usjf.net
1: today. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Yeah, you know, I talked some about the Democrats who boycotted the Netanyahu uh, speech yesterday and then came out and criticized the speech even though they hadn't been there to hear it. And uh, we have a situation in the United States Senate and in the House of Representatives where we have basically a bunch of Democrats who are going to stay in lockstep with Obama. They're acting like good little Obama bots or good little Nazis, whatever you want to call them. They will do whatever they're told. Now, the Keystone Pipeline is a prime example of this. The 70% of the people in this country favor the building of the pipeline. A lot of Obama's allies in the unions favor the building of the pipeline. It will help the U.S. economy. It will help make us energy independent from foreign oil. It will create thousands of jobs not only the construction of the pipeline, but also uh, adding enlarging refineries. Obama has vetoed it because his handlers, basically, have told him that it's bad for the environment, even though the Department of State has four times said that they don't see any adverse environment impact of the Keystone Pipeline. It's much more dangerous to have oil being brought in from Canada via trains, it was seen that last week there was a major explosion in West Virginia where an oil train caught fire. The pipeline would be much safer. All of the states that the pipeline would run through have been cleared. They all say that they want the pipeline, but they don't see an adverse environmental impact on them. Obama doesn't care. He is going to do what the far left tells him to do because he's a member of the far left. He's a leader of the far left. But here what we have is a situation where the president vetoes this vital legislation. The United States Senate tries to override the veto and doesn't have the votes to do it. So, again, you've had a number of Democrats who don't care about creating American jobs. They don't care about making us energy independent. They don't care about anything but their ideology and enforcing their idea, ideology, which is basically their version of a dictatorship, forcing it on the American people. This is the game they're playing, and they're doing it repeatedly. The new executive order that Obama just issued, his, or executive action, I should say, came yet just yesterday when he, in effect, is calling for the federalization of state and local police. He is telling state and local police that there are certain things they have to do and certain things they cannot do in order to maintain getting federal money, to get equipment, to hire officers, and to run their departments. What he's telling them is is that you have to back off of my constituents. You have to back off of the illegals, even if they're committing crimes. You have to back off of uh, getting people, arresting people for minor drug charges. And you have to particularly back off of arresting people because of certain people because they're black. Now, I'm not saying that the police are arresting them just because they're black. I'm telling you that Obama says you can't arrest them because they're black. That's basically what this is all about. His constituents, the illegal aliens, the people that commit the crimes, regardless of who they are, need to be arrested. They are violating our laws. With Obama taking control of the police departments around the country, he is going to put massive restrictions on them. He continues to talk about Ferguson, even though today the U.S. Justice Department announced that it will not bring federal charges against Darren Wilson killing Michael Brown because they saw they see no civil rights violation here. I mean, remember, Michael Brown had just come from robbing the store and strong-arming the the store owner. Then he charged Darren Wilson, police officer. And Obama, from the beginning, was supporting the demonstrators and the rioters and saying that, you know, Darren Wilson needed to be charged that he'd obviously killed this poor man and, you know, we have a, United States General killed in Afghanistan, and nobody from the White House goes to his funeral. But during the same period of time, three members of the White House staff go to Michael Brown's funeral. So the president supposedly has had this, the Justice Department launched this investigation, and they have found that there is bias against blacks and bias against Hispanics virtually in all the police departments in the country. And to cure this, he is going to take control of the police. He's going to federalize our police departments. The underscore there is that eventually he plans to use them against other citizens. He plans to use them against gun owners, legal gun owners. He plans to use them against people in the Tea Party. Anybody who disagrees with Obama is subject to being punished. That's the way he dealt with Netanyahu, a foreign leader, That's the way he deals with members of Congress. That's the way he deals with the courts, subject to being punished. Now, this is an unconstitutional action by the President of the United States. Again, doing something by executive order that has not been approved by Congress and couldn't really be approved by Congress at all. The Constitution contains a separation of powers provision. We have three branches of government. We have the executive branch the legislative branch, which is made up of the Congress, and the judicial judiciary branch. These three are supposed to be separate but equal. Well, Obama doesn't see it that way. He says it sees himself as the only branch of government. That he, as the executive, is more powerful than all the other branches, the other two branches combined. And he's going to exercise that power. He's going to exercise it by executive order or by executive action. And there's just more and more of these coming out. I mean, right now we have the new gun control action by the Bureau of Alcohol, Back on Firearms, which, by the way, has always been a rogue agency. I fought them on many occasions when I was practicing law back in Baton Rouge. And uh, at one point, we actually—I actually had an ATF agent arrested by the local sheriff's department because he was stalking me, and uh, they had a parabolic listening device set up in the parking lot of a church next to where my law office was. And, of course, so they were doing an illegal search. So we had the new stalking laws that just come into effect, and I called the Sheriff's Department, and they sent a couple of deputies out and arrested this guy for stalking me. So they're an outlaw agency, and they fit right in with this president. So what are they doing? Well, they are 15 ammunition. Which is for the very popular AR-15, which is used as a hunting rifle and used for protection uh, by many, many families around the country. Ammunition has been fairly plentiful for that, or well, I can't really say plentiful; but it has been available. Unlike certain other ammunition, like 22 caliber, which you just can't find anymore. The 22 caliber is just gone. But the AR-15 ammunition is critical to the people who have the AR-15 weapon. BATF is, is going to declare those that ammunition to be armor-piercing and illegal. They're going to ban the manufacture of it. They're going to ban the importation of it. They're essentially going to institute gun control by banning the ammunition for certain weapons. And I'm wondering if they're doing it on more than just a few... I always, whenever I go to the local Walmart here, I always check to see what kind of ammunition they have available whether or not they have anything available that, that I need or friends of mine need. And uh, there has been no .22 ammunition really for two years. There has been, but usually been ammunition for other types of weapons like .308 hunting rifles, .270 hunting rifles, uh, that sort of thing. you some 9mm ammunition for people who own handguns. The other day, I went to that Walmart and the shelves were almost entirely empty. Now, they've been partially empty for a couple of years, but now I'm talking about almost entirely empty. And basically, they can't get any ammunition at all. Why? Because I suggest that the president is already instituting and enforcing the Small Arms Treaty. The United Nations Small Arms Treaty allows him In fact, it mandates him to limit the importation of ammunition and firearms to the United States. So the foreign manufacturers of ammunition and firearms cannot send anything to the U.S. anymore. can't even send spare parts for weapons that people already have, like the AK-47. They can't get the spare parts from Russia anymore. This is what the United Nations Treaty calls for. It also calls, calls for the registration of all firearm owners in the United States. Now, this is where, again, Obama and John Kerry directly lied to us. They told us that they were not going to require registration of gun owners in this country, that that was not required of the treaty. Well, I had read the treaty. I read it when it was first written and proposed, and I read it when the final version came out. And I repeatedly said it does require a gun owner registration. Now, how is he going to implement this? We'll begin with, if you go to, if you go into a, buy a firearm, since the Brady Bill went into effect, you've had to fill out a form. If you're buying it, you know, from a, a licensed gun dealer, you have to fill out a form in which you have to say, a number of things about whether or not you have ever been convicted of a crime, whether or not you've ever been adjudicated to be mentally ill to the point of being a danger of yourself or others. You have to fill out all these things with this questionnaire. The law requires that that questionnaire be sent to the FBI to be run through their database and see if you're on the NICS list, which is the National Instant Criminal Background Check list. If you're on that list, you can't buy a firearm. If you're not on that list, then you're cleared to buy a firearm. Then the dealer is supposed to destroy the, the document, and the FBI is supposed to destroy the document and not keep any anything online, on digital, about the document. Everything is supposed to be destroyed. I guarantee you, since Obama came into office, that has not been happening. They're not destroying those documents. They are keeping those documents. They know when you purchased a firearm from a dealer. Now they're trying to institute laws, and some states are already doing it, to have a, require a background check for you to purchase a firearm from a neighbor, purchase one from an individual at a gun show. To even have a background check, if you have a firearm and you want to give it to your son or daughter, there has to be a background check on them. All of that information is going to be eventually, if it hasn't already, be eventually turned over to the United Nations, because that's what the the treaty requires. Then all of the names, addresses of all firearms dealers, all ammunition dealers, all individuals who own weapons, all needs to be turned over to the United Nations. And Obama is going to allow the United Nations to come in and do we don't know what with that information. Let's take our second break now.
2: Learn more about USJF by visiting their website at www.usjf.net. Support this nonprofit as it defends our rights, our liberty,
1: and our Constitution. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio.
2: Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you.
1: You're listening to America's Webradio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Well, when we talk about Obama's executive orders, of course, the most egregious one that he's done so far, uh, at least high on the list, is the one on Amnesty. Now, we have a very brave Texas judge, federal judge here in Texas, that has ruled that the amnesty granted by Obama is illegal and unconstitutional. Why? Because the Constitution of the United States gives ultimate authority, and it's clear, ultimate authority over naturalization of law, and by reference therein, immigration law, to the Congress of the United States. The president has no involvement in it. The president can only veto a law that they might pass, but he cannot make laws on his own. He can't choose which laws to be enforced. He certainly can't violate the laws by granting amnesty, but that's exactly what he did. He continues to do this type of thing. The federal judge says, no, you can't do it. The problem is, Obama has already decided that he doesn't have to follow the Constitution. He doesn't have to follow federal court orders. And let's look at some of the examples of the federal court orders that he's ignored. Back during the BP oil spill a few years back, we had a federal judge, Obama, issued a moratorium unilaterally without permission of Congress, a moratorium on drilling, new drilling in the Gulf of Mexico. The federal judge in New Orleans ruled that he could not do that. That ruling was upheld by the Court of Appeals. And Obama continued with the moratorium. The Secretary of Interior at that point was brought in and told that he would be in contempt of court if he didn't raise a moratorium. He refused. He was held in contempt of court. Again, the courts said that Obama couldn't do this, and to this day he's never officially lifted that moratorium. So he's violated federal court orders. Now, this most recent executive action by the FCC that... Is essentially going to take control of the Internet, to regulate the Internet. Now, what do they plan on regulating? Prices, content, accessibility. They plan on, in other words, regulating this show, all the other shows on America's Web Radio, regulating the blog that I do on the Internet, probably trying to come in and regulate the United States Justice Foundation because we have a website and do business on the internet. This is a political move by the Obama administration to regulate free speech and freedom of the press. It is blatantly unconstitutional. The United States Supreme Court ruled several years ago that the FCC had no authority. I'm not talking about saying they had limited authority. I'm talking about saying they had no authority to regulate the Internet, yet they're doing it. We don't know how they're going to be doing it yet because like everything that Obama does, everything that his administration does, it's all a deep, dark secret. The secret this time being 332 pages of regulations passed by the FCC, and the public's never seen them. We don't even know what's in the the group of regulations. No one was allowed to read them prior to them being voted on. Shades of Obamacare. Remember how that one was sneak in the middle of the night and Nancy Pelosi so shamelessly said that uh, we'd have to pass it and then we'd find out what's in it. Well, I already knew what was in it. And I predicted it in my blog article back in, well, in an article I wrote back in 2009, which basically started my blog. We don't know what's in the FCC rules. And we probably won't know until we start getting contacted by the FCC and then telling us, you know what, you're violating the rules. Well, you, you can't have exclusive conservative political content. You can't just talk about your view of the Constitution on your radio show. You have to invite guests on who are going to refute what you have to say. I don't have to do anything. If they tell me I have to do it, I'm going to refuse. And that brings me to something important I want to talk about today. And this is, I've made several speeches on this topic in the last couple of weeks. I have uh, been invited to make more speeches on the topic. And it's a topic that is really misunderstood. But you can read my latest article that I posted yesterday. On my blog, again, the website is .com. And the article is titled Nullification. There seems to be in about what Obama will do when it comes to issuing illegal and unconstitutional executive orders. I mean, we had the FCC when I just talked about. We have the... Amnesty, as I talked about, he's got the EPA to issue more and more serious regulations on the energy industry, particularly here in Texas, where he's trying to take out our coal-fired utility plants. And, you know, it's just one attack after another by the Obama administration on the American people, on our free market economy, on our freedoms in general. Now, we've had some successes with the court, particularly the one that I just cited about the Texas federal judge here. And the United States Justice Foundation, we have two things that we do. We fight in court for the Constitution, for the constitutional rights of individuals. And we do that at no charge to the clients we represent. We raise our money independently and hope that you can be involved and go to USJF.net and give us some, some money. Uh, to, help, to help us do our, our work, particularly when it comes to the veterans' Second Amendment rights, because that's heating up. We've got a lot of those cases going right now, we've got more that we ever have going. But the court battles need to continue. But then Obama, they ignore the courts. It means the courts start acting and enforce their re- regulations or their rulings. On the Obama administration, but what we're trying to do also at the United States Justice Foundation is educate people, educate people to the con- about the Constitution, about what our rights are, about what our rights continue to be, and how to protect those rights. One of the things that I'm talking about now is what. Now, people hear the word nullification; they think of only jury nullification, which universally you'll be told by federal judges and by uh, scholars that there's no such thing in the Constitution, that juries have no right of nullification. As a matter of fact, why do you think the founding fathers set up the jury system? Because American colonists were being tried, some of them taken back to England to be tried, by judges only in a magistrate court, and they didn't even know what laws they supposedly had violated, They had no right to counsel, and there was not a jury of their peers making a decision. So it was political decisions. Our founding fathers wanted that to stop, so they put in a jury system, and the jury would decide the guilt or innocence of a person charged with a crime. Inherent in that is the fact that it doesn't matter if a judge tells you this is what the law is, If you disagree with that law, if you believe that that law is unconstitutional and the person should not be convicted under that law, then you have a right to vote for acquittal. The reason you vote for acquittal cannot be questioned. You can't be called before a judge and say, why did you cast that vote? You have a right to do it, and you have an obligation to do it. But there's other forms of nullification, and... I think the ultimate nullification is in the Declaration of Independence. It states, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, and among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. That whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, It is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute a new government laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as they then shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Again, that is the ultimate in nullification. The Declaration of Independence of this country is based on nullification. It is based on the government being empowered by the people. If we create the government, then we can alter that government, or we can abolish that government. We are in charge of the government. We are in control of our government. That's the way it's supposed to be. They are not in control of us. But we have Obama and his elitists, his so-called progressives, is the left wing, that think they not only are in our control of us, they control every aspect of our lives. You have political correctness running amok. You have people told that they can't talk about their religion, that they can't display American flags, that they can't say certain things, that they can't tell the truth, all because we have to be politically correct, all because we want to control. The creation of Independence was designed to keep that type of thing from happening because it was happening to the colonists. I'm encouraging everyone that reads that article and everybody listening right now to go and look, reread the Declaration of Independence. I confess, you know, I, I study and read the Constitution all the time because that's what I do. I'm a constitutional attorney, and I write about the Constitution. But I hadn't read the Declaration of Independence in a few years. I went back and reread it. For my latest speech on nullification. And I looked at the laundry list of things in the Declaration of Independence that were being used to justify colonies breaking from Great Britain and becoming independent. And the list was of all the things that King George was doing to violate their rights. And it was taxation many by borders. It was gun control implemented by executive orders. It was denying free speech instituted by executive orders. These were coming from King George, the monarch. Read those and think about how closely they're related to what Obama is doing to this country right now. They're almost exactly identical in a lot of respects. In fact, I'm probably going to try to do another article on that uh, just to talk about that because of the fact that it it is so scary when you read that and you look at it in retrospect of, of what our founding fathers did and why they did it and what we have to do. And how do we do it? How do we engage in nullification right now? Some states are already doing it. Yeah, let's take our final break, and we'll talk about that again in a minute.
2: Watchdog. and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you.
0: With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. Whether cruising the Strip at a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com.
2: Who is or what is USJF? It is a non-profit legal organization founded to protect our rights through the U.S. Constitution. Visit www.usjf.net
1: today. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. What am I talking about when I talk about nullification? Well, I'm talking about the state legislatures standing up, as is being done in Texas and places like Montana, uh, where the state legislatures are saying to the federal government, we are not going to allow you to come into our state and violate the constitutional rights of our citizens. They can; The states have done it basically with Obamacare. Uh, basically, you had uh, dozens of states, several dozen at least, that have refused to set up the state exchanges requiring Obamacare. They basically said, we're not going to do it. We're not going to participate in this. You have a case in front of the Supreme Court that was argued today which says that when the federal government picked up the slack and started giving out subsidies to people to buy insurance, they were violating the Constitution, that they could not set that up because Obamacare did not provide for the federal government to do that, that the states had to do it. If the states refuse to do it, they can't be forced to do it. It's going to be interesting to see how the courts decide on that because it's a classic a confrontation that could result in Obamacare being virtually destroyed if the proposition is held that this is an illegal act, an unconstitutional act, that the states can opt out, but that the federal government can't pick up the slack. So we'll have a decision on that in three, three, three and a half months, something like that, and we'll see how that washes out. But that's the idea behind nullification. The states can do that sort of thing. Local sheriffs can do it. Cities can do it. Towns can do it. Counties can do it. They have the right to say enough is enough. Whether or not they have the guts to do it, particularly if they're like many Democrats in the United States Congress, and they, they just say hail to the Fuhrer uh, whatever Obama tells them to do something. But there are a lot of places out there where we can bring the pressure to bear to get it done. Now, I wrote on my blog uh, several months ago, back over a year ago now, I wrote an article called The Line in the Sand, where I talked about the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association, which is a group that was formed by Sheriff Richard Mack. He was a sheriff in Arizona, and he was involved in a landmark United States Supreme Court decision. Basically, when he was sheriff on the Brady Bill was, was passed, that required the background checks for people to buy firearms. He was told, as were many other local sheriffs and law enforcement officials, that they were responsible for doing the background checks. He believed that was unconstitutional. He also believed that to enforce that violated his oath of office. And his oath of office was basically the same as the one I took as a military officer to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States against all women foreign and domestic. He said that he felt, felt that Bradyville violated the Second Amendment rights of his constituents in his county, and therefore he was not going to participate in enforcing it. He sued the federal government. The Clinton administration, this was back during the Clinton administration, was ordering that he and other county sheriffs enforce it. Richard Mack and six other sheriffs from around the country sued the U.S. government It went all the way to the Supreme Court, the case did, and they won. Basically, the U.S. Supreme Court said that sheriffs and other people, law enforcement officials, or people who have taken the oath of office cannot be forced to violate their oaths. The federal government cannot make them violate their oath of office. That's why we have the federal National Institute Criminal Background Checklist right now instead of one in every every state or every county. So the Constitutional Sheriff's of Peace Officers Association had a meeting a year ago in January where they drew up a declaration and they had it signed by a lot of the participants that were there, most of who were county sheriffs or chiefs of police and who basically said that they would not, not only not enforce unconstitutional laws of their state or federal government not only not enforce those within their counties, they wouldn't allow federal authorities to come in and enforce those. And they were talking specifically about gun control, but they were also talking about Fourth Amendment rights, illegal searches and seizures, the lack of due process, all the things that I've been talking about on this show and in my blog for several years now about what's happening to the veterans in this country. Now, uh, they're being denied their basic constitutional rights. Again, that's the reason we ask you to come and contribute to us. It's uh, usjf.net. That's where you can find find a way to contribute to us. And by the way, usjf.net, if you haven't had a chance to write down your know, uh, website blog link is, you can go to usjf.net and go to the About Michael Connell, Executive Director section, which is at the top of the page, the home page. And that will give you a link direct link you can click on to go to my my blog. And read what what I say there and go to the, the, the latest article on notification because both in that article and the article that I wrote uh um, you year ago both of those contain links to that declaration that was signed by those sheriffs. And anybody can sign it. I've signed it. Uh, The other people I know who have signed it, I'm not a sheriff, I'm not in law enforcement, but uh, I believe in what they're doing, and they're asking people all to sign on to that. And more importantly, take a copy of it to your local sheriff. Hand-deliver it. If you can't do that, email them a copy, or mail them a copy, or fax them a copy. But preferably try to arrange a meeting with them and hand-deliver it to them and say, we want you to read this, and we want you to sign this. We want you to consider the implications, what the federal government is doing, constitutional implications, and we want you to sign up. Yes, we know that from the federal government, if necessary, and even in some cases from the state governments, like what's happening in Maryland, California, New York, where they actually have doors being kicked in by the police in order to arrest people. To confiscate people's firearms. I mean, I don't know if I talked about this on the show yet, but we have a, the suits been put by a navy veteran up in New York State, who has never been diagnosed with PTSD. He has never been had depression. He has never been treated or examined by a psychologist or a psychiatrist. State confiscated his weapons. Why? Because he had gone to the VA, because he was having problems with his So now some insomnia and minor PTSD and depression and letting your spouse pay the family bills or letting the bills be paid automatically by your bank, all of these are now criteria, according to Eric Holder, and according to the VA, these are all established that you are mentally ill to the point of being a danger to yourself or others. You can't sleep at night, you're mentally ill. You have the bank pay your bills through an automated system, you're mentally ill. This is the enemy's list that Obama has. And if you want to know who's on that enemy's list, go to the Department of Homeland Security. Look at their list, potential domestic terrorists. I'm on, on all of those virtually. The top of the list is veterans, U.S. military veterans, just because they're veterans. Twenty-three million of us in this country, we all were trained to defend our Constitution. We were all trained to fight. Many of us own firearms. That's why they're trying to disarm us. And I'll be making several speeches on this in the near future. If you want me to come speak to your group, and I've gone around the country to do it. If you want me to come speak to your group, then just let me know, and we'll try to make arrangements for me to do it. And I'm speaking a lot here in Texas, obviously, because that's where I live. But I've also been to Missouri, I've been to Nevada, I've been to Florida, and I will speak on the Constitution. I will speak to veterans' groups or other groups about the situation with veterans and how they're being denied their constitutional rights. In the meantime, please go to my blog. Read it and see if you like it. If you do, encourage other people to read the blog. And you can my email address there, and you can email me and have me put you on my mailing list for the blog. My mailing list is totally private. Nobody else has access to it. I don't send forwards. All I use it for is to email you and let you know when I post a new blog article. Now, if you want to contact me because you're a veteran and you're having problems with the VA, Again, there's no charge for our representation. Uh, you need to email me there, michael at usfmail. It's United States.net. Not usfmail.net. US.net. Me. We'll do what we can. Fight okay, for your rights. Protect your
0: uh, Michael, for some reason, we have lost you. I don't know if it's due to weather, but uh, you're breaking up terribly. We um, will
1: find out how to contact And to begin soon, thank you for listening in.